is up everybody my name is james d fury and this is blackballed part two tonight of my interview with an escapee <laughs> i don't know how, what else to call him from the plymouth brethren christian church i, I just as, just as an aside i don't know brethren it just seems a little archaic also it seems a little um jamaican in a good way <laughs> I had a Jamaican friend who used to call me brethren all the time. Um, and I am combining this uh, part two interview with uh, another gentleman um, who who is a key figure in this story. Uh, and I'm going to introduce both of them now. The, the escapee is Richard Marsh. And the man who wants to protect him is Nathan Jacobson. Gentlemen, how are you today? Good evening. I'm very good, thank you. So, Richard, we left off um, the last time that uh, that we were talking was actually when I was surprised and, and found out the great news that you're going to be a dad again and that you're still with um, you're with a, a woman now who's, who's your wife and who's, you know, everything that you need. And it's great. And I love it. And what uh, where we had left off is kind of like right at the point where um where Nathan's story starts to come into the to to the scene a little bit. David Wallace, the political fixer, and Nathan, um, we described a phone call that you guys were having with members of the Plymouth Brethren Church, with uh, Gerald Shapur and Alan Hallman, and uh, one or two other people. And they, I, I'm going to start actually with Nathan today because I, I want to hear it from a person who was there and what they were saying. I know you said this on the other podcast, but because it's, it's Richard's story, you know, I, I, I'd like you to, I'd like to start there. What were you expecting with this phone call, uh, if anything, and what came out of it? Well, that, the phone call that uh, you're referring to is a phone call that took place while uh, people from the Brethren uh, believed that we were, in fact, going to bring them Richard Marsh on a, a silver platter. So they were very open. They were very excited. Um, as Richard discussed yesterday, uh, they spent millions of dollars with uh, a series of, of private investigators and other people to try to, uh, uh, to catch Richard. So they were all excited that uh, this was going to be happening. Um, of course, it was misrepresented to me, uh, or actually misrepresented to David, 
and then to me. David had come to me uh, when he had been retained. He was just telling me a little bit about what was happening. When he was able to locate Richard, it was a matter of, well, how do you bag this person? Um, and, and that's what he had come to me. The call that you're talking about, Holman wasn't on that call. Uh, it was uh, moderated by, by Gerald Shapur, uh, along with David uh, Wallace, and a number of members of the uh, uh, Plymouth Brethren uh, Church. Um, was that the Brad Mitchell? Was that Brad Mitchell that was on that Brad, call? Brad Mitchell was one of them, a fellow by the name of uh, Ditlock, uh, who seems to run their organization in North America. Uh, one other person uh, was a call that was moderated by by Gerald Shapur, um, and it took a, a different end um, f- from that of uh, Richard Marsh because they thought they were going to be having Richard Marsh uh, handed to them on a, a silver platter when they they didn't get Richard because they had misrepresented uh, to David and myself that Richard was a wanted man, that there were uh, warrants for his arrest. And I was going to simply use my relationships uh, in police services to assist the police to arrest Richard. Uh, when, when I push uh, Shapur on, uh, look, nothing's going to happen. This was late after the call. When I push Shapur on the fact of uh, I can't have Richard arrested unless I see the warrants and I pass on the warrants to my friends in uh, in, in, in police services. Uh, nobody's going to do anything without that. We wanted to we wanted to do it in a legal fashion, and that's when Shapur finally admitted that there are in fact no arrest warrants for Richard. Uh, that they were hoping within a year to year and a half to get uh, an arrest warrant for him. In, uh, in Saskatchewan, but they wanted us to nevertheless uh, grab Richard, uh, seize his computer and other personal things, and turn him over to people that they would be sending. And that's when the whole thing went completely off the end that I made it clear I'm not in the kidnapping business. It's one thing to be able to help to have a, a supposed felon arrested. But when he opened up that that wasn't true, uh, that's when I turned to help Richard. The call that you're talking about, um, that that was a, a Kafkaesque call, um, is suddenly on this call from discussing uh, Richard on a brief basis. Uh, it came to their uh, political financial, whatever hate it is for uh, the current Prime Minister of Canada, uh, Justin Trudeau. Um, Chipman had uh, talked about the fact that uh, he and his people were the ones behind uh, the release of the story uh, of uh, Justin Trudeau having sexual relations with a student while teaching drama at a private school in Alberta. And then, uh, sorry, can, can I just? It, you said Chipman. I, did you mean Chipper? Chip, no, it wasn't Chipper. The uh, oh. Stillman. Diplock. Was it Diplock? 
No, it wasn't Diplock. It was a Canadian. Brad Mitchell. Brad Mitchell. Brad Mitchell. That's right. It was Brad Mitchell that that, that jumped in and talked about you know his being he and his people being behind uh, getting the story out about uh, Trudeau and uh, uh, sexual relations with a student while while a teacher at a private school in, in uh, British Columbia. Um, yeah, can, I, can I'm going to stop you there for a second because I I remember. When and and the story came out, I was actually the person that um, first mentioned the story on Twitter. And what I did was because it came out in the Buffalo Chronicle, which is not really a newspaper. It's it's more like it, it's a fake newspaper. It really is. Like it, it is just filled with. If there's any truth in it, I haven't seen it. They might have classified ads. That might be true. But but it is a it is literally a vehicle to spread rumors. And I knew that I knew a bunch of reporters that had this story of Justin Trudeau um, coming up with a settlement agreement with a student that he had an affair with. And I was tired of hearing it. So I put out a tweet and the tweet was like, this is the rumor. There are reporters sitting on it and make of that what you will. I said something like that. And then I followed that up with almost like a regret, like a, a tweet expressing regret because I was uh, given that information weeks beforehand as well by, and I'm not blaming Stephen Harper for this. I'm just stating for, because it's factual, by two ex-Stephen Harper staffers who had both contacted me to tell me this story of this girl that Justin Trudeau allegedly uh, had relations with. And I, I felt like I was, I, I, I did, I, I, I tweeted it and then um, I saw it in the Buffalo Chronicle and I saw it somewhere else. I think maybe I saw it first and then tweeted it. And then I was like, I, I just regretted doing it. I, I, I should have handled it a little bit differently. But I started to, con I contact the source who told me, the former Harper staffer. And I was like, you know, what is this bullshit? Like, what, what is happening? And another one of her colleagues had contacted me and said, this is what they do. They, um, it will, st I didn't know where it started until now. But they will they will take a rumor and they will send it to loyalists and say, um, this is what I want you to spread. And the loyalists just do it. So um, but, you know, that's just kind of an aside. But it was, it's interesting to now know where it came from. I wish I knew that at the time, because David Wallace had actually mentioned that Warren Kinsella might have been involved. And Kinsella got in contact with uh, the network and was like, I, I, that wasn't me. <laughs> right. So. I mean, and there's all these different types of rumors that go around like that. Um, and it, it, it's interesting how someone felt comfortable enough to share with you that they had manufactured a rumor like that. that and, and, and also, by the way, with all these, with these two incriminating phone calls that I'm now hearing about, isn't it interesting that um, Gerald Shapur, or whatever, however you pronounce that guy's name, um, is is never the guy to say the incriminating stuff. So he's the smart guy on the call all the time. But he, it almost feels like these guys are like, I can't tell if they're useful idiots for him or if they are just the people that he's like, well, you're going to incriminate yourself. I'm not going to, but go ahead. Like, I can't figure out why a smart man is involved with people who don't seem that smart at all. Well, I, I, I think what it was, and it, it's, it's nothing more than my guessing is they wanted to try to uh, impress David and myself with uh, their political strength that they can do such a thing. And and I remember uh, at the time that that rumor came out, 
there was a, a great belief that that would destroy Justin Trudeau's campaign. The idea of uh, a candidate for prime minister having uh, sexual relations with an underage student uh, goes against uh, all, all morals, all accepted morals. And uh, I, I think he was trying to show us that, you know, he's got strength, he's got ability, etc. And then uh, through, through Diplock, it, it switched to the insanity of uh, wanting to retain us to uh, get rid of Justin Trudeau. Yeah, th and that's actually um, something that I wanted to talk to you about again because um, the interpretation of what it meant when it was like take care of Justin Trudeau, uh, my gut tells me that it is. It, they weren't asking you to off him. They were asking you to have him removed from office. I I, I don't know. Uh, that's that that's very possible. That that that's all they meant. But remember, uh, they're talking to a person who they believe for right or for wrong uh, had been an agent of one of the top intelligence agencies in the world and who had done uh, what in the business is referred to as wet work. Uh, wet work is when there's blood spilled. Um, so. I, I don't know the extent of what they were talking because I never allowed it to go further. Um, okay. But, I just but, don't want to uh, like like our network to sort of be seen as like a Buffalo Chronicle. <laughs> so I just yeah. want to state for the record uh, that again, you know, n nobody said uh, we want to pay you to to off Justin Trudeau. It was right. get rid of Justin Trudeau, and one can interpret it however one wants to do it. And what, what like if did, it was the mafia, I would say he's probably wanting to whack Justin Trudeau. But if it's a guy or an organization or a group of people who have already admitted responsibility for creating a false rumor in order to remove him from office, I'm leaning towards that kind of thing again. It, but that's it, just me. It's it, anything is possible. But again, the only thing I'm going to say is remember, they they thought for right or for wrong that. They were talking with a Mossad hitman. Can I, um, Nathan, are you on a computer or your phone? I'm on my iPad. Is there anything else, uh, any apps open? Because you're staticky. Uh, you're, when you're talking, I can hear static. Um, I'm wondering if you, if you have any other apps that are open. If you have headphones, maybe you can use those. So anything that will like uh, get rid of that static would be great. I, I'm going to close uh, all other apps. You know, you didn't want to call me shadow. You didn't want me to call you shadowy, and you just keep on disappearing into the shadows now, Nathan. So, okay, well, um, I'm, I'm going to move to Richard while you while you figure out your stuff. Um, well, anyway, so, Richard, okay, yeah, Nathan, I, I I got Richard going right now. Just uh, when you come back, um, yeah, we'll I, we'll figure I, it out. But with no other open apps. Okay. Um, we'll figure that out. So, Richard, there is. Like you and Justin Trudeau have something in common, <laughs> you know, the, the same group of people were asked to sort of, hey, we're going to have to take care of this guy, you know, you know, like, can you help us take care of him? And um, 
again, the, the ambiguous language is, I guess, what you would use when you want to do something like that. Did you feel that your personal safety was ever in jeopardy, or did you think that they were going to threaten you? Um, you know, when when what was your reaction when Richard and David approached you with this information? Uh, well, it's entirely credible. I mean, David, I I believe David was genuine in what he was reporting. Uh, David's uh, in the call. David was saying he thought they wanted to kidnap me. Um, given what I learned later, I mean, I didn't know at the time exactly what I know now, but it does seem to be the only credible explanation. I mean, what what else? What else could they be doing? What else could they be wanting with me other than to uh, do me some physical harm or to remove me completely? Um, um, I, I just don't know. This is one of the biggest questions as to exactly what their intentions were. But one thing's for certain, there's no decent or legitimate or legal explanation for uh, you know, what they were trying to do. Yeah, it's uh, it's amazing. Do you remember the first time you actually met Nathan and David? Well, very much so. Yes, of course. Can you describe that meeting? Because that, like, you know, I mean, did you did you like let the one where Nathan was there? Because I think you already told me about David, but or maybe you met them both at the same time. I, I honestly don't recall. There are so many, by the way, ins and outs of this story that I get really confused sometimes when when I'm trying to recall what when did this happen? Who was on that call? You know, there was, uh, there was all these different things like that. Um, and, you know, so tell me about the first time you met Nathan. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I mean, I met Nathan and David at the same time. Um, okay. I had, after the phone call and after I'd published the phone call and after everything hit the fan because the Brethren and Chappelle and so on realized that uh, David was, was trying to save my neck, um, David and I had several conversations and Nathan called me and we had conversations and then um, I think it was Nathan said you know we'd, we'd like to meet with you um, you know would you would you be free to come and meet up with us um, I, I was I was keen to do so but there was just a little niggling doubt in the back of my mind you know is this you know just a pretext to you know maybe seize me or you know, I, I thought it was good, but um, I, I took one or two precautions. I didn't. Nathan offered to come and pick me up. I arranged a venue for him to to meet with him, which wasn't wasn't my residence, so you know I didn't want him knowing exactly where I was at that point. Um, and I also, just as a kind of a, a litmus test, I said to Nathan, um, oh, "My wife would like to." is that okay because i knew that you know if you're planning to seize or kidnap or do something um bad to someone the last thing you need is a witness and the last thing you need is the guy's wife there oh, yeah. her head. so i thought if nathan hesitates when i make that suggestion i'm mm -hmm. canceling the whole thing so yeah i, I would i have i have yeah. the perfect wife for for that kind of encounter too because she <laughs> you know so so i just got this you know that well, if my wife comes uh, and they said, yeah, that's fine. There's just, there wasn't a single breath or a heartbeat. So I knew at that point that there was, you know, that just confirmed my feeling. There was no, no harm intended. There was nothing under the surface here. So, yeah, so Someone Nathan, is... uh, go on. 
someone was asking in there, what is it that you had on the church? And I know that you're not allowed to really be that specific. Um, can you give us the like elevator pitch version so that the some people that are watching right now are up to up to speed? Yeah, well, I mean, there's two. There are two aspects to that. One is, um, I, I suppose, actual dirt um, or information about uh, sort of scandalous and criminal activity by brethren, mostly by brethren-owned businesses rather than specifically by the church as an organization, although the distinction between the two is very, very, very vague. Um, so that was one. I mean, I had cost them millions just by exposing fraud, which then caused them to lose contracts and have to spend vast money on, you know, damage limitation exercises. The other wasn't the contract, was, just to cut you off, wasn't the contract like, it was worth like tens of millions of dollars, wasn't it? Or was it even more than that? It, it was a lot of money. Um, pass. <laughs> Oh, okay, I, I my bad, comment, sorry. Yeah. And I can't comment on things. Um, okay. The, the other thing that that infuriated them and uh, I think provoked an, an, an irrational uh, response was I was pursuing this path of trying to, uh, as I said before, like the, the, emperor's, the emperor has no clothes. I was using humor and... Um, extensive publication of memes along with other friends and, and helpers to try to reach out to teenagers in the church um, to make them realize that the whole Hales Emperor Hales thing was just um, you know ludicrous it was it was stupid to make them laugh at the guy and break the illusion to pop the bubble that they were trapped right. in and it was rather successful um, we set up a site called PBCC Memes, and we put out, I think, I don't know, about 300 memes over the course of a year, most of which were kind of rather an insider humor. Um, you can actually find them now. I, I've posted them all. Well, I posted the best of them onto Pinterest page yeah. called um, Blaspheme the Prophet, I think I call it. And half of them won't mean anything to you because they're rather an inside humor, and um, some of the rest will. But that attracted a huge following in young young people inside the PBCC who had illicit illicit phones, non-brethren phones, and they were following along on this and sharing these memes virally inside the inside the fellowship. And these memes were mostly taking the mick out of the mog. And I think that's probably more than anything, more than the millions of dollars they were losing and wasting. That was what drove this you know, angry and irrational. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, you're yeah, right. I have no idea what that means, but I'm laughing. Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. Can you tell us um, what this means? Can you just tell us what this means? Uh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, a lot of things um, in the brethren, in the brethren, there's the brethren in the world. The world is everything outside of the brethren. It's the wicked, evil world, and it's run by the devil. And so anything they don't want you to do, they say, well, that's of the world. We don't do sport because it's uh... of the world. And so, and brethren are, are, you know, they're notoriously obese, heavy drinkers, particularly the, particularly the kind of the more responsible men, the leading men. They, they like a, you know, they're like a row of, um, fat balloons on the front row of the church. 
uh, because they, they literally do nothing. They don't they don't exercise. They eat and they drink lots of whiskey and they go to a lot of business meetings and they talk. And so they, you know, they're um, the, the, the inside the church in the sort of brethren patois, um, prominent, prominent male members of the brethren are called heavies. Um, because usually they are. <laughs> That's so, I was sent, by the way, um, because I, I always have this idea that the leaders of cults, like David Miscavige from Scientology, like that yeah. Hales guy from Australia, yeah. that they don't believe what they sell to their flock. And... I don't know if that's true or not, really, but I was sent something, um, up, and, and I'm just going to flip back to Shapur for a second. Gerald Shapur, he was the Conservative Party of Canada General Counsel. Uh, he is the General Counsel for the Plymouth Brethren Christian Church, and he was also in the Armageddon Factor, The Rise of Christian Nationalism in Canada, which is a book by Marcy McDonald. And she basically, like, he seems like a true believer, this guy. I, I, I always thought, seriously, that the religion was the tool that powerful, diabolical people used to try to get people who maybe were going through something and were, or were, were, were weakened by something. And because I'm, look, I'm an atheist. I always think that, like, if I meet an alcoholic who's no longer an alcoholic, there's like an 80% chance that Jesus has taken the place of, of Jack Daniels. And, and, and that's fine. I don't care. Like if that's how you got off the bottle, then that's a great decision. But it always seems to be when someone's in a weakened state or left in the dark somehow. But the Gerald Shapur thing really kind of makes me confused because he, he's either really good at pretending he's a true believer or he is a true believer. I don't know, Nathan, if you have any insight on that at all. James, the one one thing that comes to mind is something that Richard brought up yesterday. Um, and yeah, I, I've seen a lot of these religious and cult leaders that that prey upon the weak um, and, and are, are basically nothing less than snake oil salesmen, uh, preaching whatever uh, it gets to their hubris, um, and they manage to steal huge amounts of money from people who believe in them. But when you take a look at what Richard said yesterday, the Pilgrim Brethren or Plymouth Brethren, whatever they're called, uh, are not a proselytizing church. They're not a church that goes out and tries to gather in from the weak. But everybody, or 99%, as Richard said yesterday, are born into it. So, so they, they aren't proselytizing. So that would, uh, unless you break away from the church or question the church, it's made up of true believers. Um, is Shapur a true believer? Uh, if you look at the things that he's doing, one would, one would think that he's using it both, A, he believes it, but when you look at the uh, amount of money that is being run through the uh, brethren companies. And I, I brought up yesterday how uh, uh, a company that was relabeled by uh, Shapur and Holman uh, from being a company called Hev Oil Tech uh, suddenly became Equity Health Services and, and managed to get a very, very high percentage uh, 
of uh, the Alberta government, uh, PPE, uh, rapid testing, etc. So I, I think that Shapur, while he he may be, uh, and I, I don't doubt that he is a true believer. I'm told he's a Seventh Day Adventist, but he's also using his relationships in government um, to profiteer. A guy like Holman, I don't think he believes in anything uh, other than himself, uh, his ego, and his ability to, uh, to 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 get the next deal or to to do something squirrely. Yeah, you know, remember Michelle Bachman? I think she was a Minnesota senator. She was a Minnesota governor that uh, ran for for the presidency a couple elections ago. And she, um, it turned out, was, uh, and I didn't know this existed, but there's this overarching category of Christian called dominionists. And dominionists are almost always business people. Uh, and, and dominionists believe that if they own a factory that pollutes, that it's impossible that they will ever destroy any the world by pollution because God will take care of them because they're Christian dominionists. Um, which just to me sounds like a scam to do whatever the fuck you want to make money and to not have to answer to anybody. Um, can I ask you, Richard, do they talk openly about business in front of the flock? Oh, yeah. I mean, they have... They have huge um, business conferences. So you may be invited to a Bible reading or fellowship meeting, as they call it, or you may be invited to a Brethren business conference. Uh, it's, it's all, you know, the same thing. But, so, yeah, James, what, what, what it seems to be happening is, A, they're running it as, as a conglomerate, but they're being extreme right wing um, and they use a percentage of the profits. One, they, it, it's sort of like a vicious circle. They, they, the businesses make money, have to turn over a large percentage of the profits uh, to the church. The church then takes that money, buys political influence, and uses that political influence to gather more business. Uh, in, in Alberta, a number that I, I, I got, I had sent to me today, is that approximately eight out of ten of all contracts that uh, on in the area of PPE uh, and and testing in Alberta uh, went to uh, companies that were controlled by Shapur slash Holman. So they yeah. use the they're, they're big donors, but they're big they're 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 being big donors buys them big favors. Yeah, I, I and and that's it was a tricky thing to try to find, and I do have the receipts. I, I, I you know I, I'm going to put them in an article tomorrow. I don't understand why that wasn't a bigger story. Like I, I there was this, I mentioned it in a couple of Calgary publications, but when you take the guy has. I don't know. I, am I just naive? Are there things that people are allowed to do that I don't think they should be allowed to do, but that's totally legal? Like, was it legal? No, you're 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 right in that these things, uh, in the country that we grew up in, in Canada, and I, you know, I've been in a lot of corrupt countries around the world where there's 
lubrication, bakshish, whatever you want to call it. Not not what, shadowy, what, ladies and gentlemen. Not shadowy. Go ahead. <laughs> worldly, worldly, not yeah, shadowy. Worldly. That's right. That's right. Um, what what I don't expect it in our own Canada. Again, back to what we we said uh, yesterday or the day before. It's not in the Canada that we grew up in, but. When you look at, you know, for example, uh, what I had the, the earliest tests available and I was worried for my friend Jason of his economy shutting down. And I went to, and showed, the next thing you know, a, a company that's registered to Shapur's office, it's registered by, by him and registered to his office as an oil tech company, suddenly changes its name to uh, Equity Health Services and within a hundred days announces uh, a, a major contract with the province of Alberta. And they did all the, the, the or a, a large amount of the, the rapid tests and, and much of the other PPE. So there were hundreds of millions of dollars, I imagine, that, that went to companies that were controlled. And then again, you have it at the exact same time, Holman, who is lobbying is the the premier's fixer on one hand registered himself as a lobbyist for this equity health services to lobby to the government and his son is the in a senior position advising the minister of health who by the way happens to be a client of gerald shapur even though he's a lawyer himself he was a lawyer in municipal affairs. Is so, that legal? I just want to know if that's legal. Uh, not in my books. It, it's in, in my books. It's insider deal making. You know, you complained today. You know, Russia and the oligarchs and all that's all over the news. And so many people that I know that through through all my years working in the former Soviet Union, who have had everything confiscated from them for their inside dealings with the. The, the governments, is it any different? No. You know, when you look at Shapur being the, 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 the lawyer for the party, the party bag man, the lawyer for the brethren, um, Hallman being the premier's fixer, um, suddenly changing a company that's purpose for one thing, to something else that they they got a whiffle well here's a great business opportunity and sadly they did that because i, I presented to them a, a, a plan on how to help the province um suddenly through through the sun the the that these companies get i was told eight out of approximately eight out of ten of the contracts yeah uh, it, it blows my mind it, it Why is the RCMP all over it? I don't know. <laughs> that, that's why I'm so frustrated. But I can easily imagine a situation where Kathleen Wynne gives a gives uh, who's held, has a lawyer and uh, and like you know a crazy secular organization that has um, you know where the minister where her health minister has like a person working for them that's related to you know this crazy secular organization and then gave that person a contract that's probably sole sourced or pretended to be open but then they just gave it to them and they would have a field day with it 
and it would be national news, not just provincial. Why aren't, why is the media that used to be considered a liberal slanted media so beholden and so afraid to talk about conservative scandals? That's, that's a, a real good question because as a person who was uh, 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 on the inside in the conservatives, it was always the liberals concern. The, the liberal liberals run most of the media. The lib, Trudeau is giving out billions of dollars to all the newspapers, the CBC, etc. And the big complaint among the conservatives is that you you, you can't promote what you want to do because the media is, is I I can't figure it out. And and other friends of mine that are are familiar with this can't figure out why the mainstream media which is everybody alleges to be so right wing or so so liberal controlled hasn't picked up on it yeah i i it's it's a mystery to me we're we're getting a little sidetracked but that just makes me so angry um now okay so once you two met each other and 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 um as as nathan put it the other day um nathan wanted to protect you what happened after that? Like, what? How did? How did? If there was anything, how did Nathan start protecting you, or how did you guys start working together in order to like fight off this monster with all their religious te- tentacles? Well, when we we, we met at uh, a restaurant in 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 Barry, um, Nathan took me in his in his very nice Range Rover. Um, we went up to Barry. We picked up David from his from his house. Uh, we um, stopped off at a restaurant that was maybe half a mile away. We were followed into the restaurant by a private investigator who spent the whole time we were in there watching us, um, and we we ignored him. So it was David and Nathan and, and my wife and I, and we, we we didn't we didn't say a lot. I, I guess they were just kind of trying to figure out. Who I was, and I was trying to figure out who they were. Um, that must have been it. like a spy versus spy moment. You guys are both like, <laughs> so. Um, uh, I, I remember I, getting I really angry. I just wanted to let you know I carry guns. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah. I, I remember getting really upset about when I learned exactly what the church was doing to Richard, because here's this person with his beautiful wife who you can see they're they're just so in love with each other and hearing what the church has done to him and and knowing that the church um wanted him to be physically grabbed and turned over to whoever it was they were going to send for him and I, i was it really angered me and my attitude was i'm not going to allow this to happen and uh, together we took some action. We took some pictures together. And uh, I, I sent it off to, to Diplock and Shapur and these other people in Holman saying nothing is going to happen to Richard. He is now under my protection. You've got to come through me to, to get to him, and you're not going to get to him. And I'm going to be sending him to Israel uh, where you can never reach him. Did that actually happen? No, Nathan. Nathan offered it to me, but 
I wasn't really in a position. I mean, with my wife's immigration situation and so on, it it wasn't really practical for us to leave Canada at that point. I mean, point. Nathan, I'm, I'm not trying to say he's shadowy. He could have got you and your wife in, I'm pretty sure, though. Just, I'm sure. I'm quite without sure. Without a doubt. Yeah. yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. But, I mean, just the fact that he had sent this message to the brethren rendered it unnecessary to take that further physical step because they knew the game was up at that point. And they, they I mean, they, I'm pretty sure at that point they went straight over into damage limitation mode. I mean, they knew they were never going to get me at that point. And they knew that if they did get me, obviously Nathan and David would both report to the police and say, look, if Richard Marsh has been hurt or disappeared, you know, these are the perpetrators. So they're all, they're also like, it was it was ballsy, if not stupid, for the church and by extension Gerald Shapur to, you know, try to hire you guys to basically hand over another citizen who did nothing wrong to that organization. That is just ballsy to the nth degree. But the flip, no, no hold on, hold on one, one second, because I want to say, though, because the flip when they experience the flip of like, oh shit the guy that we just asked to basically kidnap this person um is now working against us they might that that doesn't happen to this organization from what i can tell no i and i i certainly became an enemy to them and they then did their best through some devious means to try to destroy david yeah and you know, and David, for you, did you know who Nathan was? Because you're from the UK. Did you know who Nathan was when you met him? Or did you, like, did you have any idea? Well, of course, when he called me, I, I Googled him. I found out who he was. Yeah, so by the time I we actually physically met, I knew who he was. But, I was yeah, joking he, he with... wasn't. I hadn't heard of him prior to his contacting me, for sure. I don't remember if it was yesterday on the podcast or on the phone. But I find it amazing that... Um, because if someone were to like come up with two characters that one person would meet to have their back, you found the two most unique characters. I think <laughs> I think I could have chosen. They would both be in my top five for people yeah. to be. Well, that's a crazy character. Let's 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 hook him up with that person. Um, you know, but which, which I think is why they came to us in the beginning. Look, they they came to David in the beginning. And in fact, when I first met Hallman uh, in, in uh, Jason Kenney's condo in, uh, in, in Edmonton, uh, Hallman let me know, oh, we have a mutual friend, uh, David Wallace, and you should know David has done some amazing work for us. Yeah, um, and and David is again. David is another character who's political fixer and everything, and 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 to be, um, and he sounds like he had like a crisis of conscience in this situation. He really did, and and it has hurt him. Um, it's it's hurt him and his family both financially because they moved him out to Alberta under false pretenses, and basically hung him out to dry there. And uh, were it not for, you know, they took him out of his, his marketplace uh, with, with a wife, two young children, and two aged uh, parents with the, the promise 
of providing him with lots of work. And uh, he arrived, it cost him a lot of money, as you can imagine, to move one's household from uh, Ontario to, to Alberta. Um, the former attorney general, the one that had that party, um, arranged, arranged and, and, and rented the house for David. And once he got there, they basically told him to get stuffed. So he was, he, he was and still is in a jam that we got to get him back to, uh, to Ontario. Okay. Um, since I, I, I watched, uh, the, the breaking brethren, uh, the, the television show, I think it was directed by Alex McIntosh and, uh, aired on city TV that you were in Richard. Yeah. I was not surprised because I kind of knew what I was about to watch. I don't know what it's like to be a completely different person for one half of your life and then a, a, a different person on the other half of your life. Do you remember being a true believer as an adult or was there always a sort of little nagging thing in the back of your mind that was like, this is bullshit? Uh, no, I, I remember when I was uh, 11 or 12 having having doubts about the thing. I mean, it's, you know, the age where you kind of start thinking about a bunch of existential stuff. And I got to a point where I was having doubts. And then I realized the consequences of having doubts. And it kind of drove me into um, kind of abandoning any of those line of thoughts, because the, you know, if my doubts were proved correct, the consequences for me would be so horrendous that it was best not to even think about it. So after that one period of questioning uh, at that relatively young age, I never questioned the, you know, the whole church thing again until I was in my in my thirties. Really, really, I think it started when my when my children got to their teens and they started to get into trouble, and you started to see the way it's, you know, mistreated them and that's when I started to question whether the whole system was in fact um, the truth. You know, they use this term, the truth. Um, that, that was when the, the doubt started to creep in. But when you, when you start to doubt in the church, you, you, you can see this is wrong and that is wrong, and you blame maybe your local congregation members, local congregation leaders, or even leaders at the national level, but what you don't question is is the kind of perfect infallibility of of the mob of Bruce Hales himself. You sort of say to yourself, well, if only Mr. So-and-so, the local priest, had really listened to Bruce Hales, then he wouldn't have screwed this up. So Yeah. But what so what you 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 have this theory that grows inside you that yeah, the church is corrupted, but it's like a sort of rising damp that creeps up from the bottom. And at the top, it's all pure and beautiful. And then the absolute, the bombshell is when you realize that actually the corruption all comes from the top. And the further down you get in the hierarchy, the better people actually are. Yeah. Um, and, and I'm not going to dwell on this one point, but like a lot of religious groups, I'll talk about the Catholic religion because I was raised as a Catholic. I used to enjoy lying 
during my confession and then confessing those lies the next time I went to confession because I thought that was fun. Um, but the, uh, you know, sexual abuse of children is, is, in, uh, is rampant in a lot of religions, especially Catholicism. Uh, I'm not going to dwell on this. I'm not even going to ask you a question on this, but there are stories about this church as well where that kind of stuff is taking place as well, and it just boggles the mind that sometimes uh, that that religious organizations who are supposed to represent morals and ethics and decency are often the very place where you will find most of this kind of heinous behavior, manipulation and sexual abuse. And in your case, a possible attempted kidnapping or threats or whatever, um, where all of the moral instincts that they seem to want to embody and their flock embody just completely goes out the window. And uh, it, it is the greatest cover for criminals. You know? Exactly. It's the, it's the perfect cover. And, it, and, it, and it's um, do what I say, don't do what I do. I mean, everything that they impress and impose on, on everything else is, uh, you know, they, they break all the rules themselves. Yeah. Um, so, Nathan, uh, did you have to do much after that phone call where you were like, Hey, you're going to leave my man alone or what? Because I'm going to fuck him. I, I, no, I'm just I, I like, think they had a, their come to Jesus moment. And uh, <laughs> and they, they, I think they realized that they had uh, bitten off more than they could chew, that the, the playing field had changed and uh, that they had uh, better move on. Um, again, this is also after my blasting them when uh, they came across with their preposterous uh, proposal to, to get rid of the prime minister. Uh, I don't think they want to tangle with us. Uh, I'm sure Holman had heard um, from the uh, premier, from, from Kenny, uh, who um, knew the relationships uh, that I had within Israel, within the intelligence and security community. Uh, he'd, he'd seen that. And by the way, one of the articles that you folks had published was that I had brought Jason to Israel, which isn't, in fact, the case. Uh, I, I like things to be accurate. Jason was always there uh, as a uh, minister of uh, Her Majesty's government, as a minister of uh, Prime Minister Harper's government. I never brought oh. him over. But when okay, when right. he yeah. when when was he was good. there, when he was there, I used uh, my relations both as a uh, uh, loyal Canadian, loyal conservative, and uh, loyal and connected Israeli to be able to do the best to to um, strengthen the relations. So, you know, when and Jason knows. Um, the organizations that Israel has, and he knows uh, at least of, of my connection to them, let's not call it a participant. Um, so I, I think it would have scared the shit out of Holman. And Holman would have yeah, we, related to Shapur. We touched on that a little bit the last time about how um, the conservatives used to hook up with evangelical, like evangelical groups and Jewish groups get along because evangelical yep. groups um, don't include i hate jews as part of their overall 
stance. Whereas your group, um, your ex group, I should say, sorry about that, um, the Plymouth Brethren, they seem to be more cut from the white supremacist cloth. And I'm just going to play a video here because um, for some reason, racism sounds worse when it has an accent. I don't know why. <laughs> Whether it's a Texas accent or an Australian accent, it just sounds worse. Um, so I'm going to play a quick video here. Get out of here, I'll boot the whole thing over. Four Corners set out to uncover that story, but it wasn't easy. The brethren wouldn't be interviewed, and their attitude to being filmed is hostile, as we discovered when we were quietly filming in a public Perth street. We just realised that you're a camera crew, so we're just giving you crap. Okay. So who called you up here? <laughs> who called you up here? Are you opposers? Are you supporters? Are supporters of what? Hey, just by the way, I'll just warn you in five minutes, if you don't get off, Have you got a fear very, of the governor gone? Are you believers? You're threatening us? We no, are not, not threatening are you. Believers. We are not threatening you. You what? are threatening us. No, we're not threatening you. Yes, you are. What are you doing here, way? you poor cunt? Yes, you are. Do you in believe in God? You. Do you believe in God? Get a do real job. Yes, I do. Mate. I do believe in God. <laughs> Waste your film, mate. Poor cunts. The Brethren's leaders wouldn't appear on this programme, nor would they allow any families within the church to be filmed or interviewed. You know, the first thing that I think of when I think of someone who wants to walk alongside Jesus is Jesus approving the usage of the phrase, you poor cunts. Because I can't think of anything else that's more Christ-like than calling people cunts for asking oh, questions. Oh, oh, I, I looked at it. I thought it was an Australian version of uh, deliverance. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> How would you squeal with an Australian accent? No, I'm just kidding. Um, it, it is amazing to me. It's not really amazing. I, I mean, it's just, how, I, what is Christ-like about that? Is, is that, so So anyways, the, I watched, uh, have you guys ever seen The Family, the documentary on Netflix? It's about um, these, like, uh, this group that uh, basically when you when you're done university you go and all live with a bunch of guys and it's like a frat house but the frat house doesn't have any booze it doesn't have any drugs you don't watch tv <laughs> you don't do anything and you you have a they have a bible and the bible just says jesus and it's only the gospel of like mark james matthew and luke and it's just jesus and they all really love jesus and then they grow up and they become politicians who just lie all the time like about everything that they can because what they're trying to do is get the issues that they care about um, to, to be like things like Roe versus Wade being overturned, which honestly they were successful in doing. You should read the power worshipers. It's, it's, it's really all about that. If you believe that abortion is a bad thing, I don't have any problem with you. If you work the system in such a way where you manipulate, you commit fraud, you dance around tax exemption statuses and stuff like that in order to get your issue, then I got a problem. Um, but but that's basically what what we're the little bit that that I've seen of, of what the brethren is. And, and again, what? as as I mentioned a couple of days ago, until I had met Richard and heard his story, I had never heard about the brethren in my life. Not, neither have I. Even though they were the originators of that Justin Trudeau fake story with the student that got to me. Uh, I guess that was in twenty. 19 that was the blackface election i believe yeah yeah and and they're they're the same people that have gerald shapur as their 
their general counsel, who's the general counsel for the Conservative Party, and who's the principal bagman, and and at the same time is running insider deals. Yeah, the whole thing is just like, it's a scandal. Like, it's a documentary series of scandals. Um, okay, so where is your court case now, Richard? Like, what is happening with that? Like, I, like you still can't say stuff. So I'm wondering, what is there a, is there a trial date? Like, what's going on with that? No, there's no, there's no outstanding court case. Uh, all it is is that there is a court order which forbids me from saying anything about certain certain matters. How yeah, long yeah. does that last for, that court order? Well, it... Because I know the Scientologists, they, yeah. you have to sign a contract for like a billion years. You really yeah, do. Yeah, no, it's, long, it's longer than that. I mean, it actually doesn't have an expiry date, so it's... it's in just, perpetuity? You, in you just perpetuity, can't ever talk... yeah, yeah, yeah. People have that... I mean, if I'm, if I'm reincarnated as something else, whether I... That then bypasses the rule, I don't know. It probably hasn't been tested in court, but... Um, yeah, I mean, at least till I'm dead. I mean, after that, I, I don't know if the law applies to dead people. So, you know, what you should do as one of your last requests before you die is I put on my gravestone, couldn't I? Because yes, you could. No, the you, whole thing like a really, exactly. really big gravestone. Exactly, a mausoleum. Yeah. Fuck a gravestone, yeah. a mausoleum. You can walk in, you'll read it like hieroglyphs. <laughs> the yeah. whole thing. Yeah. That's, that's a, a friend of mine sent me a picture of the best tombstone that it carved into it was "I told you I was sick." <laughs> you, yeah. should, you should put that on a t-shirt by the way we've had comments on your t-shirt nathan everyone seems to like can you show it again it's lebowski 2024 is that so that is hilarious and it, it also running? says below it this aggression will not stand man one of the quotes of the the, the big lebowski from the movie yeah that's right oh my god but, by the way on that the, the supporters of, of Lebowski actually registered a church for which I am a registered minister, and it's called Dudism. Really? Yes. That... You can go on. You can go online, and you too can buy a a, uh, a diploma and a card that you can have in your wallet that you are a minister of the Church of Dudism. Does it work? Like you can marry people? haven't tried it yet i am down i want to marry people you know <laughs> I, I don't know why i just want to be like i just want to do it once or twice before i die um i see a happy ending with this for you richard um not just because you have one of the most um <clears throat> beautiful life partners i think i've ever seen seriously well done <laughs> and but also, and not just because you have a man like Nathan Jacobson sort of having your back with this, your disposition, there is something about you that makes me totally confident in your future. You're funny, you're calm, you know, you, you seem to, you, you, you're, you got your eyes open as to what situation that you're in. I'm not saying there weren't dark times before this. But um, a lot of people would not be able to sort of have that composure that you seem to be living with today. And aside from the fact that I'm going to give a lot of that credit to your wife, like, are you moving forward? Are you as confident as I am in you and in, in, in how your life is going to be? Uh, yeah, I mean, so many, so many things have happened in the last five or six years, uh, none of which I'd anticipated. And. They were so dramatic and shocking 
that you're kind of waiting for the next shoe to drop. But I think, um, thanks to, well, largely thanks to journalists, um, of which um, Alex Alex McIntosh, of course, has to take, uh, have to give him the credit for being the first one to really spill this story and, and followed by yourself and press progress. I mean, this is where I've obtained vindication. This is where I've obtained justice. This is where I've got these monkeys off my back. You know, no thanks to RCMP or law enforcement or the UK courts or the civil system. It's it's the media that's that's given me the the peace I now enjoy. I mean, the, the vindication internally and the physical security of not having to look over my back, look over my shoulder the whole time. And as I liked Alex's uh, Alex's documentary is great. I liked how he focused on like the human side of it. Uh, Nathan, uh, I'm an award-winning documentary filmmaker. I'm not just saying that to brag. I'm saying, though, that there should be, and I'd be willing to do it, um, maybe we can partner on it or something, a documentary about that church that only focuses on the political and the corporatization of spirituality and the manipulation of a flock and the political connections and yada, yada, yada. If you know, I'm not trying to put you on this. Well, I'm totally trying to put you on the spot. If you would like to, um, you know, like because I think uh, it's worth it's a story worth telling. It it, it is worth telling. Uh, unfortunately, there's a lot of stories that are worth telling. Um, this came to my attention because uh, Holman and Shapur had reached out to David Wallace, but there's so much wrong being done in the world, and we rely. Uh, as Richard said, on people like yourselves um, to be able to break it. Um, yeah, they, they, they are worth uh, doing on, on documentaries, but it, it could be an ongoing series of documentaries of movement after movement. Um, In perpetuity. You know, I, I remember being younger and reading about Jonestown and, and, and what happened there. And uh, I, I, I remember the, I, I remember being approached in Amsterdam by a, a group of people uh, who wanted myself and my colleague to come to a meeting with Reverend Moon from, from uh, Korea uh, of these Moonies. So there, there's an endless amount of them. Um, I'm sorry. What, what, what shocked what? what shocked me is these people had the hubris um, to ask people like David and myself to kidnap Richard. They had the hubris to suggest that for for money we would take out the Prime Minister of Canada. Um, their hubris is 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 crazy. I I don't see that from other churches, but then again, I don't have much experience. Um, well, listen, the 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 hubris comes from never being held accountable for doing lots and lots of nasty things. Like that, I mean, hubris doesn't just happen in a vacuum. Hubris happens because people get away with things. Absolutely. I mean, so, you know, 
and they, they you know they they sized you up as a conservative um at probably a true blue conservative who uh who has a bio not shadowy but eclectic right and and they probably They're different thought, from most of the kids in my neighborhood in Winnipeg growing up right you're a Winnipegger that just fucking yeah. changes everything yeah. <laughs> that explains once a, it once a Winnipegger always a Winnipegger too always um, yeah and, but the thing is, is that th- th- that hubris, again, extends from being able to get away with things all the time. So uh, and I, you know, th- I, I know people like that and I have known people like that where where it, it's like, you know, th- when you invite somebody else into that bubble that you've fashioned because you get away with things and then that person, while they're in your bubble, takes a pin and goes like that. They don't know what to fucking do. Because they've it, never it, dealt no, with that before. No different than you're being pulled over by some egotistical cop who uses his position um, to 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 threaten you, to 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 scare you. Um, that, yeah, that and I dealt with that. I so dealt much. with that issue. I dealt with that issue by never getting my driver's license, which is why my wife hates me. But go on. <laughs> but uh, no, but there, there there is so much bullying. That, that, that's out there. And my experience with, with the brethren is they're very egotistical bullies who believe that because of the money that they have and the political influence that their money has bought, that they can do things that a normal citizen would never, ever dream of being able to do. That, that, to have the I, nerve, to have the nerve to... to to come to a person like me, who they don't know who I am, what I am, other than having read some rumors and heard some stories about me, and think that I'm willing to take out a contract to get rid of the PM. Um, Can we all just look go- at the British man trying to get the Jamaican woman to come <laughs> over and her not doing it? Yeah. <laughs> it, 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 their, their, their hubris is, is, is unbelievable. And, and it comes because of their money, of their being able to through to to bully uh, the membership of, of their church to turn over uh, the majority of the profits from the, their businesses, which are all basically owned by the church, and by political um, by political power. And when when you've got a guy like uh, Shapur as their, their bag man, whether he's a believer or not a believer, but but using the, the, the money and the strength of the church to then generate other money. And then a, a guy like Holman, who I, I think just is, likes to be a bully and worships money. Um, Which is weird because he looks like a game show host. Yeah, come on down. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Um, uh, but... He, he he has a great belief, a great amount of arrogance, and he, he he believes his political connections will allow him to do some do things. And you know that just the the issue of the the fortunes that were spent on PPEs as an is an example of it. Yeah, just to re- review that for a second, you had created a plan for Alberta to get them back to work by utilizing um, connections rapid with manufacturers tests. overseas and being able to do rapid testing, which by the yeah, way, well, the, 
Nathan and I found out that we have a friend in common, which is amazing. She's uh, an ex of mine who remains a really good friend. And she told me a story today. You were playing ball in the backyard or something, and you like pulled one of these tests out of your pocket, and we're telling her about it. And I was like, oh, that's interesting. Um, and But anyways, long story short is that that what would have been the difference? Here's, here's a question. I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. What would have been the difference of you utilizing your personal relationship with Jason Kenny to sort of get a contract in Alberta versus Shapur doing it? Um, first of all, uh, I can probably on- honestly say the quality of the tests that they would have gotten. The second thing is the fact that I've told Jason that I never want to make profit on my relationship with him. So they, they, they would not, they would have paid a whole lot less, but I was putting, when I sat with them at the time, the two large meat processing plants in Alberta were shut down because of COVID. And these, these plants have uh, largely third world immigrants, Somalis, etc., that are running them, uh, that are the workers in them living in, in, close quarters with a lot of people. I created a program where everybody gets tested. Everybody has to come to work with a bag with clothes for a week and they get tested. And if they have COVID, then they've got to go home. If they don't have COVID, then they go to work. But instead of going home where they can be exposed, the companies will put them up in hotels in the area and the industry can keep working. And, and it's it's not just a matter of testing, but it's a matter of creating a whole thing. By the way, a, 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 an interesting point is uh, our, our tests are sold all over the world. And now we have a, a, a much newer, unique test that doesn't expose anybody to, to uh, any liquid that might be exposed to, uh, to the virus. And that's that's miles above but we've never sold a test in canada and i think in in one case it's because i'm viewed as a conservative so one group doesn't want and on the other i i don't play insider games of you know you you get this i get this etc but we've done we we've got the best test we're going to see now because we submitted the the most advanced tests that exist to Health Canada, and we'll see now whether we get approved, and and we can provide them uh, to the Canadian public, and it's a you whole know, lot less risky. Do you, do you know what would happen? <laughs> this is how this is how crazy everything is right now. They will find the clip of you telling me the story of taking Justin Trudeau to because he was the uh, offspring of a world leader, and they would run that clip over and over and over again. To say that the the personal relationship is an example of nepotism, and that's why it was bad that Justin Trudeau did that. That's how hypocritical. <laughs> you know what they they can try that, but then they're also going to have to include the other people that were in the Generation Two group that we started, which is Kerry Kennedy, Christina Chavez, Naomi Tutu, Nadim Jamal, Hemi Paris, Dalia Rabin, King Abdallah. There's a there's a big group. And if you're, they like a ra- to- you're like a rapper who just shouted out his crew. That was awesome. Yeah, it, no. If, if 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 they want to take work that I've I've done to 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 try to make this world a little bit better, 
And uh, my, my life, my daughter certainly changed my life for my, my worry about her world. If they want to take my philanthropic work and, and convert it to, to something nefarious, let, let them do it. Yeah. Um, Richard, I, I'm, I, you look like you're uh, thinking about uh, flowers and stuff. Are you, uh, <laughs> I, were, you, were you unsuccessful in getting the half that props you up to come onto camera? Is that, uh, I, I'm that was happening? I'm working on that. I'm working okay. on it. Well, you have about three minutes. <laughs> That's about it. Um, I, I, I'm, I am going to wrap only because um, I think that uh, what we've covered, it's a lot for people. Like, it, like, even when I read about all this stuff, the church and Shapur and the Alberta government and the, the, the UK situation, it is a book. It, it is not... A podcast episode i did a two-parter we could do like eight parts really and uh and i'm hoping that we do one or two more at least just because i want to hone in on some of this stuff but um i'm gonna pretend that i'm a really shitty uh um television host and and i'm gonna say this richard what's next for you <laughs> can't do it as a joke it's awful a <laughs> life of happiness i hope for him yeah me too well i i've got a very a job that I really enjoy doing, um, which is working outside all day in the agricultural sector. Um, yeah, I can see your farmer's tan. Your bicep yeah, yeah, is really white and pasty, really and then you got a little tan. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, um, you know, we're welcoming a, 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 a child to the household. Um, yes. my, my wife has two children from our previous relationships, which who we hope will be joining us in the next year or two as we can sort out the immigration issues. So I'm just going to quietly settle down and be a family man, um, uh, you know, keep doing my agriculture thing, um, put, put, my, put my feet up. Uh, no, re realistically, I will, I will be still be spending a lot of time trying to help other ex-brethren to bring out their stories and to get some justice and some vindication. Uh, there are some that I'm working with at the moment. Um, but who knows what the future brings? I mean, the, the past five years have brought so many radical surprises and changes that to say, yes, I'm going to settle down quietly now would be what Nathan would call hubris, I think. Yes, that's true. Um, and Nathan, how about yourself? I have no idea what you uh, do. My friend Kelly described you as a jeans and t-shirt kind of guy and really likable and, uh, and a great neighbor. Um, but what are you doing nowadays? Like, I haven't ever asked you that before. Well, uh, back, to, back to doing business. The, the war in, uh, in Eastern Europe has, uh, affected, uh, has affected me because I've, I've been involved in doing various businesses in the former Soviet Union for the last 32 years, 33 years now. Um, I'm back, there's gonna be a lot of work in uh, rebuilding Ukraine. Um, I spend a lot of my time helping groups that uh, are in trouble. Um, so the upcoming trip is gonna to be to, uh, to Ukraine, uh, to Iraq, possibly into Syria, and then hopefully a, a, a week relaxing in my home in Cyprus. But I, I want to keep busy and 
if I have the ability to um, combine community service with business, uh, that's terrific. Community service takes up a great amount of my time. Yeah, I imagine it does. Well, listen, I'm, I'm happy that I met both of you guys. Um, I, I'm going to definitely stay in touch. I, I personally am going to rele- uh, release from the Klondike papers as many stories as I can about about uh, the Brethren, uh, the Plymouth. I fucking hate their name, okay? <laughs> just do, it's a car. It's a Jamaican slang term for brother, and they squished them together, and we're supposed to accept that shit? But, but they, rem- remember what Chrysler did. They canceled the Plymouth. That's right. I am Chrysler, everybody. I think. That's right. Um, you, you, we're, you, we're, they're going to change their name to the Dodge Brethren. Yeah, yes, oh, because oh, they'll be uh, uh, dodging all of my articles or something. I don't know. Or the Plymouth Brethren Chrysler Church, possibly, because they're not oh, Christian. How about the how about the how about the Lada, um, <laughs> bastards, Christian Church? You know, instead of Brethren, we'll call them bastards. I don't know. I listen. I I I, I have a, uh, a really hard time with religion as it is. So when I see religious groups um, being nefarious people, it does bother me. I may not have the resources of Nathan. Um, but I, I would still like to consider myself an ally of yours, Richard. And um, I will be speaking with both of you guys uh, in the near future, I'm sure. So thank you uh, to Richard Marsh and to Nathan Jacobson for joining me today. Thanks, guys. I appreciate yeah. it. Thank James, you. thank you very much. Thank you. Um, that was uh, a good show. If if you guys were tuning in to see uh, Dean interview um, these gentlemen with me, I can't find him. I'm hoping he didn't get kidnapped by the um, Plymouth brethren christian church i'm not suggesting that they would ever do such a thing like that but he has disappeared <laughs> seems like his phone might be off i'm just saying if you see dean blundell please tell him to check in um to or sorry monday yeah tomorrow jesus christ is it already sunday uh tomorrow i'm gonna have um michael geist on the show um uh, michael geist is going to talk to us about uh the orwellian bill c11 and the Justice Orwellian Bill C-18. And uh, and we're going to have a nice chat. And then on Tuesday, I have uh, Mark Wahlberg's best friend. And the only reason I say that is because rather than be someone who, who ran from that and at the same time also didn't try to bank off of being Mark Wahlberg's best friend, he's legit Mark Wahlberg's best friend. Um, I've called him in the past and uh, and he's been chilling at Mark's house and... And I'm just talking to Ross Phil, and he just happens to have a really famous friend. But he's also an actor, and he's also an entrepreneur. And uh, and so we'll have him on the show on Tuesday. So I'm going to leave you with the Michael Geist preview. And then, actually, I didn't even load it. Fuck it. I'll just leave you with my old video. <laughs> okay, guys. Thanks for joining me, and we'll see you tomorrow on Black Bolt. Thank you for having me. Look, journalism is dead. We'd all rather take selfies now than learn to comprehend. Look, I despise those colorblind, those self-absorbed reporters, those whores who suck the content for all the media hoarders. 
Those producers, man, they tap dance with the conglomerate's quarters. They exploit polarization, and it's done through gender, race, and borders. And meanwhile, they sell a sphere, meds, and weapons every hour, leading bleeding screeds of misdeeds, but shit, none involving power. Those outlets, they insist they don't exist for shit clicks? Fuck, man, them pricks, they diss this writer like I was on some mysterious hit list. And the cable news, that's the villain. And I don't want to be mainstream. That's where fake dreams hit snakes and devils all up on the end scene. Know what I mean? A leg up into the armpit of all that corruption? Shit, this relationship, I think it's destined for a mutual destruction. Terror. Mayhem. Nah, I know. I'll cool it with them jays. But you better send your fucking eagle and meet the talons of this goddamn osprey. Why? I've been blackballed before Now I have to be my main source Looking out my front door Cause I've been blackballed But now I am older I know I have to keep on moving forward Never look over my shoulder We live inside a landscape where editors are predators And writers get shelved and never properly mentored Never cease to increase the pressure of the mighty pens Releases I defeat your fucking arsenal with a single chess piece Bless me, the non-believer Fuck commies and libertarians and conservatives Liberals, anarchists and presbyterians Fuck left-wingers, right-wingers, throat singers, salesmen The hacks who got rocked by that mentally impaired kid I hate all of you Find the button, press play Abort the next generation Spare us from the next wave And let's not blur the lines of yesterday Just vibrate to your streetwise Psilocybin sensei It's true though Whether it's Trump or Justin Trudeau no new clothes for those who lie straight face Then kudos to faith-based race baiters You guilty, shameful haters Pull the plug, your crossfader is filthy You milk these new breeds of dummies Who promote racism and then cry to their mummies Manga, woke folks fight to a mutual death And no one's left to foster divisions after the last breath Now fucking die already Seriously Oh, but wait, one more thing Bring your newspapers in case we all run out of confetti I've been blackballed before now I have to be my main source Looking out my front door Cause I've been blackballed But now I am older I know I have to keep on moving forward Never look over my shoulder I've been blackballed Mr. Grizzly. If you love politics or hate politics, then have, have we, we the perfect, perfect podcast for you. The True North Eager Beaver. Incisive political commentary. We keep you up to date and give you the political and media literacy you seek. To help you cut through the bovine fecal matter. Facts first. Sound analysis. Sometimes I growl. Sometimes I sass. We impart civics and build community. And we share some laughs along the way. Being informed and engaged has never been more fabulous or sexy. Catch us on, on the Dean Blundell, Blundell Network, Network or on our YouTube channel or wherever you get your podcasts. Because, because democracy, democracy is, is something you do. Come on, let's go to the Blue Hotel. 
podcast that goes everywhere the imagination dares. It's for the open-minded, the pleasure seeker. It's Jeff Woods with the new podcast about relationships and sexuality, theme-based with special guests, the Blue Hotel Hotline, and every episode climaxes with an adult bedtime story. Get a room and listen in at the Blue Hotel. Begins Friday, September 23rd.